Welcome into the Illini Enquirer podcast. Jeremy Warner, Derek Piper, live at State Farm Center, where we just saw Terrence Shannon return to the court after a court-ordered injunction allows him to lift that suspension and get back on the court. Plays 28 minutes, had 16 points. That's the big storyline. But Illinois gets a win in his return, 86-63. Uh, only close for a couple possessions there in the second half where Shannon Really sparked Illinois with a couple full-court layups there. But, Derek, uh, I got back here from Texas. I thought I had to be here uh, for really an unprecedented kind of storyline of Terrence Shannon um, after being arrested for a rape charge, and he's still going through that process, but gets a court-ordered injunction to return to the court and lift a suspension by the University of Illinois. Uh, And it was an electric atmosphere today. But let's start there. What did you think of being in the building to see this happen today? It was surreal. It was something that I, along with a lot of other people, didn't know if it would happen again. Him putting on an Illinois uniform and especially playing in front of these fans. So uh, fully expected it to be a highly emotional, highly energetic crowd, team, Terrence Shannon, and all of that checked those boxes. Uh, I think that there's a lot to digest and, and to, there's multiple layers here. Uh, it's complicated. I think that that is still important for – I'm not going to tell people how to fan like him being cheered is no surprise. And you know that that he plays for people's favorite team. He's a beloved superstar who just returned. So uh, I get that. I get the argument as far as he's had his innocence until proven guilty preserved. So um, nationally and outside of the Illinois circle, it's going to be highly criticized and it's going to be adversarial on the road and on Twitter. But I know, you know, it's, already being talked about Illinois giving him a standing ovation and how many people think that that's a bad look. And depending on the framing, I, I think that you could frame it a number of different ways. Like again, like him coming back and until this thing plays out, I I get why he's cheered. I get why people say a guy charged with rape, getting 16,000 people on their feet and standing ovation seems excessive and seems uh, hard to, uh, hard to wrestle with. So um, it's, it's complicated. It will continue yeah. to be complicated, but ter- as far as the on-court impact, like he, he struggled some, he had some rust, he missed some shots, but his transition impact was immediate. I mean, him getting on the floor and immediately he had a lob to Coleman for a dunk, had a feed to Coleman again for another dunk. Uh, and then a couple of downhill takes later in the game. Yeah. So um, this looks like a really, really good team. They beat, they did what they were supposed to do. They beat a team as they did in Ann Arbor. They beat another team that are both are now tied for dead last in the Big Ten race. Illinois cruised and it was comfortable winning. And now they have a big one on Wednesday. But as far as Terrence goes, yeah, it was it was uh, a big moment for Illinois, a big moment for him. And again, there's a lot to to pack into there. Yeah, I think conflicted is kind of the, the term here. Um, you know, the criticism is going to come, and I, that, that's fair if, if people want to do that. But for Illinois, like the way they would describe this is we can't like we just had a court, a federal judge tell us we can't suspend him anymore, that he's part of our team. And I don't know, Derek, if Terrence Shannon could sue for playing time. I don't know if that's that's a thing, but I don't think sitting him um, was a realistic thing after what the judge just ruled. Um, So Brad Underwood has been told by his superiors, stick to the basketball part of this. And Terrence Shannon makes them a better basketball team. And he's got to go through his legal process. He'll have his day in court uh, to determine whether he's guilty or not guilty of this. And um, in the meantime, he's going to be on the basketball court. And I think 
you know, I'm not going to tell people how to feel. I felt like this, this kind of odd feeling watching it all happen after what we've, you know, lived through the last six weeks, but just watching Terrence, there was an emotional spark. I thought he gave this team when he got back to the court, they believe in that dude. He is their alpha dog. And he did it in the second half where he took over the game. He had what 12 points uh, in the second half. And, you know, there was a point in this game where it got a little scary. And then Terrence Shannon did the Terrence Shannon thing in fast break and had two ridiculously difficult layups through contact that if Terrence Shannon's not in that game, what happens there? Like the offense wasn't really clicking uh, all that well um, because they weren't shooting well, but they were getting all they wanted uh, at the rim. But it just shows what adding Terrence Shannon to this team, what adding an all-American first-round draft pick brings to the team that's already playing well. That you had Terrence, who was rusty today from his three, 0 for 5, and just giving you that spark to help Quincy Garrier and Justin Harmon, who had big games, and Marcus Damask and Coleman Hawkins, who got into double figures. One of the best teams in the Big Ten, one of the better teams in the country when Terrence Shannon's playing. And I, I thought this was a pretty successful integration today, the way they played it. Uh, with him getting the rust out in the first half, you still have a double-digit lead. And then the second half, Terrence looked like Terrence again. Um, and I, I thought that, that worked out pretty well for Illinois. We'll see what happens on the road. We'll see uh, how this offense looks moving forward. But I thought this looked about how I expected it to go early, Derek, with, with a little bit of feeling out, a little bit of rust. But in the second half, it looked like the team we saw at Missouri. Yeah, no, I agree with all that. I think it's an ideal opportunity, number one, to have his debut be at home. Number two, to have it be against a Big Ten team that you absolutely should beat and handle, and you did. Um, like you said, it did get uh, very close there in the second half as Rutgers made their run, but Illinois is too talented. Um, even without Terrence, they should beat a Rutgers basketball team away from the rack in particular. So, But, yeah, Terrence's energy, his ability to – go downhill and, and make those plays in the open court during that run that Illinois to, to break it back open is huge. And this has already been proven. Uh, it was still only a six game sample size, but looked like at the very least a top four, top five team in the big 10, a, a ranked team nationally. Um, and with him, they can challenge for this big 10 title race. The fact that they're sitting there five and two and a game behind Wisconsin, half game behind Purdue and Nationally, I mean, I think what we saw, I know Missouri is not a very good team, and uh, but they did beat FAU. And just the way they were rolling pre-suspension and the way that this team has played post-Terrence being out and just knowing that you're inserting a first-team All-American caliber playing back into this mix, why can't this team go on a really, really deep run? Why can't they be considered a legit Final Four contender? As of right now, that looks to be within the realm of possibility. So just – I think that also a good thing to, to see today that wasn't a surprise is that this is an unselfish basketball team. I think that's why it works with Terrence coming back. I think it's why it works with the other pieces too is because Terrence isn't somebody that's going to stop the flow of an offense or need to just absolutely hunt his and have tunnel vision and say, when the ball's in my hands, although at times he was, he was trying to get going, but I think that the ball movement was still there today. I think the big picture. Yeah, he had still, four assists today. Yeah, and you can yeah right off the bat too with with Hawkins, and to that point, I think that that presents easier points. He's the type of player that opens things up for other guys, and you can still play Marcus Damas booty ball while Terrence is Sean, Terrence Shannon's on the floor. You can still have Terrence Shannon go downhill while Marcus spots up, other guys spot up. Coleman 
pick and pops. Like it, it all can work together. It was working before he left. It can work afterwards. And then in the meantime, I know we're going to talk about him, but like Justin Harmon really got going. Uh, Fairly Dickinson, I think he had 18 points. And right after that, he had 20 against Northwestern. And now he's a guy that's put together some consistency offensively. So some of what happened when Terrence was out forced some other guys to step up and get more aggressive can then play on forward to your benefit. Yeah. Um, and the depth, it just improves your depth so much. I mean, the top of your roster obviously gets a lot better when you had one of the best players in the country. Luke Goody only plays 19 minutes. That's his least um, since Missouri, uh, the last game Channon had played. Ty Rogers only played 14 minutes. Some of that was foul trouble in the first half, but that's his third fewest of the season. And then Justin Harmon, of course, had a great game, so that impacted those guys as well. But that's probably where those guys should be, right? It is more in the 15 to 25 minute a game range. And then you had Terrence playing 28 to plus. So um, it, it just makes this team deeper as long as they continue to play this way. But like, I, I thought it was a pretty good integration offensively, Derek, like Marcus Damask was still running a lot of the stuff. They don't run a lot through Terrence. Um, there will be possessions that Terrence will just take over at times. It's not always a bad thing, but I thought they moved the ball really well and got really good looks. They just didn't make, a lot of shots tonight. They were six for 27 from three, yet they still won by 23 points because they were able to get so much at the rim. The cutting was great. The offensive rebounds were fantastic. Uh, Coleman had two. Quincy had five. His uh, fifth double-double in seven games. He's just been a double-double machine. Uh, and they own the paint against the Rutgers team that maybe had the best player on the court today in Cl- Cliff Omarui. Um, I-, I thought that was – Really good to see, and, and they got to the free throw on a lot, and Terrence is a big part of that. You said easy points, 10 free throw attempts for him today, 8 of 10 from the line. Right, yeah, and that downhill game, in transition in particular, I mean, that's obvious. That's that's his biggest strength, really, although obviously the player that he was pre-suspension was a guy that could do it all. He was shooting a three, 40-plus percent, and uh, able to go downhill, able to see the floor well, and he had made himself, and then on the other side of the, of the floor, obviously – was an impact defender. And this team, Rutgers probably being the worst defense, worst offensive team in the Big Ten and in the 200s offensive efficiency, it, it may not be today that we see the biggest impact, maybe uh, how Terrence contributes to the effort against Boo Booey and against Ty Berry, obviously coming up on Wednesday. We'll, we'll see that going forward, forward more. But back to the offenses, uh, yeah, I mean, pre-Terrence being out with suspension, they, they ran some ball screen stuff through him and allowed him to – you know, put people in some some decisions as far as hedging over to him. If you do that, Coleman's on the pick and pop, and obviously you can go downhill, but also you can still initiate through Marcus. And if you decide to double, obviously that that creates a, a rotation and a guy usually open. And uh, I think that the ball pops around really well on the perimeter as far as that goes. And then you mentioned the cutting too, which they've really established as a, as a great just secondary action and, and way to get to the basket. And obviously, Terrence can do that um, at a really high clip in terms of just going downhill. So uh, I think that it definitely can work. Uh, again, I, I'll cir- circle back to the fact that I just think this is an unselfish team. I think it's an older team that has a good feel about it uh, offensively. And uh, as they sort this out and, and get more comfortable playing together again, I think it's just going to be all the more seamless uh, as it as it pieces together and becomes their updated identity. You had had one before, and then you kind of adjusted, and now he's back, and and you move forward. What did we think of how Terrence handled it today? Um, I saw – I thought it was a really smart decision, probably optically one, 
but two, to let Terrence watch the game instead of starting him and going through the starting lineups and all that. I thought that was really smart by Brad Underwood. Uh, but he did get that ovation coming in uh, and immediately two assists to Coleman Hawkins for dunks. And you see the emotion pour out right away for him. And, and I think you saw emotion. Quincy was all over Terrence today. Those guys were really, really close. Coleman and those guys were – you could tell they were having fun with him back, uh, their teammate back on the court. Uh, and you could tell, like, when Terrence had that tomahawk in transition late in the game to kind of put this away, there's a lot of emotion coming out of him. But I, I thought he handled it, you know, the basketball part of this is what I'm talking about. But I thought this was uh, – he's in the spotlight. Anything he does move forward, he is under under the spotlight right now. And I thought he handled that emotion pretty well. Um, and I thought it really sparked his teammates. So, uh, I what did you think of that? Like I, we were watching him the entire game, obviously, and it looked like Terrence Shannon. Like it, it didn't look like the guy, a guy with the weight of the world on his shoulders. To be honest with you, I agree with that. No, I think that noticing it in warmups, just coming out, and he's got the headphones on. I thought he wouldn't anyway. Kind of as him locking in and going through a pre-game workout with Tyler, and afterwards they kind of huddle up at midcourt. Him, Tim, Tyler, and Justin Harmon, and Tyler's got his arm around him and they're kind of laughing and, and just it that was as Justin Harmon probably had the best quote of the day as far as how the team looks at it is they got their brother back. They got, you know, a guy that they love very much and respect very much. And uh, he's an alpha dog and a guy that had really established himself as a leader and a guy that has a lot of sweat equity in this. And they know that he takes them to another level. So um, they that, that's their guy, and they've they've obviously had his back, as you saw in the, the hearing in Springfield when guys showed up to support him. So uh, I think that, yeah, there's no doubt that Terrence, after those a couple of frass breaks and, and dishes to Coleman, Rutgers calls a timeout. He lets out a loud – he flexes and lets out a loud roar. And, and after the, the thunderous dunk, which is one of them you – know, you and I have been covering Illinois for a long time. And don't get me wrong, a coast-to-coast IO take or, uh, you know – Kofi slam there's some some signature plays of the the superstars that have come through in the years but a Terrence Shannon cock back left hand that that hammers down hard is is one of the most electrifying plays that you'll see so yeah you uh, and I were not old enough to remember Kenny battle (laughs) no having those kind of dunks but it feels like he would have fit right in on a flying Illini. I wish I, I wish we would have had those seats <laughs> for the for that flying Illini team, no doubt. Uh, you know, Kendall, by the way, in, in attendance today. We'll yeah. see if he could get out there and, and still some, do it. Got some recruiting to talk about at the end of this yeah, podcast. Yeah, no doubt, no we'll doubt. So, uh, but it was it was it, for Illini fans to to see that again, for Terrence to to go through that again. I mean, it had to be it had to be therapeutic for him to 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 do that. And what's been a very tough time. Um, very challenging, very emotional. See his mom on the sideline. Uh, again, we, it, I hate to always come back to, uh, like, we have to see how this plays out because I, I think the way that it, it it's all been pretty looked, unpredictable since the start, right? Like, yes. I, I, mean, I, I talked to somebody in the program today, Derek. They, they were pretty surprised at what happened yeah. on Friday, right? So they, they don't know exactly what's going to happen. He's got more, you know, court appearances here coming up, and that could be a good thing for him. It could, that be a good thing like we have to let it all play out we don't know all the all what the da and all that knows um so we'll have to see how it plays out but we have to use these qualifiers because we don't know what what is going to happen next 100 percent. yeah so the way this all 
looks post uh, legal resolution will give us a lot of clarity. That, that's the hard part for people um, because you don't know all, all the details. There are some things we know based about what's been released and there's some things we don't. So uh, until then and, he's playing we basketball. We may never know. We may, we may never know exactly what happened. Right. Tonight. And that's, so. that's a very fair um, addition to that as well. So, uh, but yeah, purely from Terrence Shannon, a guy that was dialed in a guy that seemed to get in a little bit of a rhythm, especially there in that second half. And, a guy that was very intense and emotional, but he, I mean, and he's a, he's that kind of competitor too. So mm-hmm. um, last year it was sometimes, Oh, Terrence Shannon's on the court. Uh, you know, where is he? Like there's not, there was none of that pre you know, first two months of the season. There's none of that today. And, and that's just part of his evolution. Uh, thanks to the 300 plus that are live streaming us live now on YouTube, almost 400. Give us a like if you're watching us, subscribe to us, hit that notifications bell. We really appreciate that. We'll get to some of your questions. If you want to send in those super chats, we'll always get to those. Um, I, I do want to mention more about this, this game, Derek. Uh, the dominance in, in some of these numbers is pretty impressive. 46 to 32 rebound advantage, 50 to 32 advantage in points in the paint. Shannon and Harmon coming off the bench helped you outscore them 40 to 22 off the bench. Uh, Illinois scored 20 points off 14 Rutgers turnovers. So to, to do all that is pretty impressive. But I, a couple games ago, we were worried about Illinois finishing at the rim. They were 24 of 27 at the rim today. Rutgers was 10 of 19, and that included 22 points from uh, Cliff and Worry. So uh, pretty impressive what they did at the rim, and Harmon was a big part of that. So let's talk about Justin Harmon, 18 points off the bench, one of his better scoring nights, attacking with a dribble drive, finishing at the rim, Derek, and then hitting a couple three-pointers. We always know, Joey, you and I, that Harmon always misses really badly on his first attempt, but he's just got to get that one out of the way. So he should try and get that one out of the way in the first minute he gets on the court because after that, he seems to shoot at 50% clip. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, I wish I shot the way he does after the first miss. Um, it, it reminds me that, you know, sometimes you walk out on the court if you haven't shot the ball in a while and you, you kind of take that first shot and, and you act like you're stretching still after. It's like, oh, yeah, you know, I wasn't fully stretched. Uh, he does miss uh, on those first that, that first attempt. But uh, the knives to the rim were great. And, yeah, like you said, he, he got those corner threes going and, and just a guy that's playing with a good comfort about him. I think he's he's settled in well. I, I think now as a guy, and I, I brought it up to Brad and asking the question, uh, today, you know, Jacob Grandison took a little while after transferring and then playing at this level, playing with this a new team, uh, Andres Felice. I know that got to be careful, because especially you being the president of that fan club. I, I will give you, he has those moments, those flashes of like just getting to the rim, putting pressure on the rim. And then with the, I mean, that's the thing with this team. If you have guards like Shannon and Harmon that can break you down off the bounce, get to the rim and draw more attention you got Quincy Garrier and Ty Rogers and Coleman Hawkins attacking the glass. Marcus Damask attacking the glass. He had seven boards tonight. Like you're going to get so many opportunities if you could break it down a defense like that, right? Like that's where missing a point guard sometimes you get concerned about. But Harmon and Shannon could put that stress on the rim, and and Domask can uh, as well at times. Right. Yeah. The last two games they put a ton of stress uh, there on the paint and on the front of the rim, and uh, Quincy's offensive rebounding and cutting. Put back dunks. Holy yeah. cow. 16 yeah. second chance points tonight for the Illini. 16 to 5 over Rutgers. That's big. That's big for sure. And yeah, Justin just being able to knife through a defense. And this is a good Rutgers defense. This is a top 10 in the country 
uh, adjusted defensive efficiency team. So this is not. They better some... be. They better be good at defense because <laughs> offense. <laughs> not good at anything else. So Cliff had probably his best game in Big Ten play so far. I, uh, I, I got to do the math, but the mid-range jumpers these guys settled for. I mean, they're a smaller team, so I, I get yeah. that's going to happen. But man. I know, I know uh, Coleman didn't like hearing about that, about Cliff's stat line today. He just, uh, I mean, yeah, Coleman's, Coleman's amazing, man. Like, he's very online. Um, listen, I, he, he's a pro, and he's going to be a pro, and he can handle this stuff. And, he, hey, you want to bite back, but it wasn't really a bite. Like, it was just facts. Like, yeah, they are, they are giving up They are giving up points in the paint. Coleman is an amazing defensive player. We've talked yes. about how he's potentially the Big Ten defense player of the year. He's certainly just going to be all defensive team. But, like, he's an average guy guarding the post-ups, right? And, and right. we've seen that the last couple of games. But he makes up for it in every other aspect of his game. Um, so, But it's something to watch because it's three straight games of, of team's best post player kind of taking it to Illinois in the post. And it's not just Hawkins. Gary A gets taken advantage of, too. No, yeah. And I, I'm not saying that Paul Coleman Hawkins put Dane in there. Coleman can't play the five. None of that. None of that. I'm not saying that. It is – an area that if you want to attack a high, high-level defender, that is the, the the best way to do it with size and, and putting him close to the rim. And that's what Maryland wanted to do with Julian Reese and uh, Terrace Reed had a good game. But, I, I mean, I give credit in the Michigan game. Obviously, Quincy and Coleman outproduced Kamwa and, and Terrace Reed, who both had good games. Illinois just had better games. So, I'd say more of the criticism, Derek, should probably go more towards the coaching staff of, hey, post-trap a little bit more. I know. Uh, especially against Rutgers, who can't shoot it. Michigan yeah. uh, is not a great shooting team. Julian Reese, like Maryland's a terrible shooting team. Yeah. I think they can help Coleman. Because Coleman did force some tough shots for Cliff. Cliff made some tough looks today. He was 10 of 19, so he still needed 19 shots to get 22 points. But uh, they were making a run because Cliff yeah. Omori was, was playing really well. So I, I think it's more the staff, like, I get it. They don't want to give up open threes, but some of these teams really can't make them. And if a guy keeps cooking you, you just want to make an adjustment. They did late in the game. Like, they did late in the second half, but it, it just seems like it took a little while to get there. For sure. Yeah. And I know, you know, there are some teams where that decision of doubling the post and opening up threes, like, it's a decision you don't want to make. Obviously, you know, if you're trading twos at your end for threes at the other end, that can be a – a bad math problem for you, but you know, Rutgers 320th in the country in three point shooting this year. I would have rather doubled Cliff a few more times if I was them. There's some teams that that just seems like it really makes sense. Uh, but Brad likes to say, Hey, we we wanted to limit Mag from going off and, and Derek Simpson for getting in, in, a, in a rhythm. So some of that I, I understand, but also when a center is, is having that kind of game, I mean, he didn't have a Trace Jackson Davis game. Which that seemed, I know Brad backed his decision in that one. Although then went to Bloomington and double, and double teamed the hell out of him. So uh, I don't know if he maybe actually believed what he said. But uh, Cliff had a good game. Illinois obviously was able to still cruise and went comfortably. Yeah, uh, Coleman eleven steals in the last two games. I get his ability, his hands to get in there. Like he does have quick hands, his long arms, obviously, Derek. But this is just a an IQ thing. He's one of the smarter basketball players I've I've seen. Like I know he could make some poor decisions uh, before this great stretch of the last two months for him. But um, 
he's just such a high basketball IQ. It's it's been fun to watch. I know we talked all about him after the Michigan game, but uh, another really good performance, even though he didn't shoot well today. 0 for 5 from 3. Terrence was 0 for 5 from 3. But Coleman, 12 points, 9 rebounds, 4 assists, 5 steals, 2 turnovers. Um, and then Domask. Like, I, I think Marcus Domask, man, like, he didn't have a clean game again. He's, he's turned it over a lot. I think he's got 12 turnovers in the last three games. He had three tonight. But he still finds a way to be productive. Even if he doesn't shoot well, 0-2 from three, he's still not making threes. But then he ends up with 12 points on 10 shots because he gets to the free throw line. He had seven boards, five assists. Uh, he's helping guys. So that's what's cool to see is even if Coleman and Marcus didn't have great offensive performances tonight, um, you know they find a way to be productive and help the team. It's huge, yeah, and, and Marcus just seems to have a way about getting around the basket at times and just being able to do his thing, going to work. And uh, there have been times where some of his passing, uh, even today, Coleman got a little dicey at times, a little risky with some of the – a little loose. Uh, but, you know, they, they showed up in, in some areas other than maybe the shot making, which is important. And, uh, yeah, the swat downs from Coleman, I mean, that's – you got to be really good at it because it's like the most obvious sign of a foul if you miss because yep. it's the, it's the clear swat of the hand. You're usually going in like that. You'll hear the hear the smack of the the hand if you if you miss and, and hit the opponent. Uh, so just to be on point, it's the anticipation though. It's it's the way that he knows what's about to happen uh, and just being able to be in the right spots and, and have the activity and uh, it's just I can only imagine how how slowed down the game is for him defensively. It's like he mm -hmm. plays in slow motions. Like he plays in on rookie on 2K or something like that. Like yeah. it's just it just seems like it comes very easy for him uh, in that sense. And and yeah, for Marcus to to bolster the effort on the glass, knowing that's that's something that Rutgers probably their formula to win today was probably own the glass, have Cliff go off and then obviously have a lights out defensive performance, which they didn't do that for the most part and really like you said earlier, part of it was they couldn't keep Illinois off the offensive backboard and, and second chance points and whatnot. So yeah. uh, that was a good effort by them. Yeah, Marcus Damas, two blocks, by the way. He's providing some uh, rim protection against some of the smaller guards here recently. All right, Derek, I want to talk a little recruiting. I also want to talk about what's ahead for this team with Terrence Shannon back. Uh, we'll talk about the Big Ten race, which surely looks like a three-team race at the moment. First, let's hear from one of our great sponsors. This episode of the Alana Inquirer podcast is brought to you by BetterHelp. What are some things you want to keep the same about yourself or your life in 2024? Where are you already crushing it? Think opposite of new year, new you. Around New Year's, we get obsessed with how to change ourselves instead of just expanding on what we're already doing right. Maybe you finally organize one part of your space and you want to tackle another. Or maybe you're taking your supplements every morning and now you want to actually eat breakfast too. Therapy helps you find your strengths so you can ditch the extreme resolutions and make changes that really stick. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. So celebrate the progress you've already made. Visit BetterHelp.com slash today to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's BetterHelp.com slash to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash all right, shout out to Alex, $5 super chat. I think Quincy really elevates this team. He has at least one or two put-back dunks a game. 
man, when you can count on a guy to get a double-double every night, Derek, yeah, that really elevates him. And, and just the size, the length, the ability to put, again, a lot of pressure on the rim. He just – we've talked about this a lot, but he just compliments Coleman Hawkins so well. And, you know, when Shannon's not on the court, you, or you have another guy who can really attack the rim – uh, off the bounce sometimes for himself, but on those putbacks as well. He's he's been a monster addition. I know you were. I think Joey's going to write about. Right under was three for three in transfers here, man. Like what what an off season he had. Big time, and I know you said seven double doubles this year. He had eight uh, at Syracuse as a sophomore when he's an all league player in the ACC. So uh, still, obviously, a lot of basketball being played should blow past that number, and maybe a guy that deserves. We, we've mentioned it before, but. Some all league consideration. I know. I mean, there's a lot of good players in the Big Ten, but there still. could be four Illini on those all Big Ten teams. Think about yeah. that. Like Shannon now back. If he completes the season, should be all Big Ten. Um, Coleman Hawkins, I think, should find a way into the all Big Ten. Marcus Damask could find a way to the all Big Ten, and, mm-hmm. and Quincy Garrier is going to be one of the rebound leaders. Going to average double digit scoring. I mean, this is a top three team in the Big Ten, like we expect. Like. All those guys have a chance to make. I don't know if all of them do, but all of those guys have legitimate cases for it. Yeah, no, it's crazy. And he's he's a good athlete. He's strong. Um, he's got an ability to just really assert himself on the backboard right now. And uh, we've talked about blending what was good about him at, at Syracuse, the rebounding and the three-point shooting, uh, which he, he knocked down, I think, a couple today. So, uh, yeah. Just that's been great to see. I it was, I asked him about it in the post game, and it was kind of a funny exchange. Earlier in the game, he goes for like the up and under on the baseline, and Brad is all over him about not dunking the ball, and uh, then has a couple of those putback slams. And just the, the look on his face towards the bench was was priceless. Uh, he's just having what seems like the time of his life. And it seems like a yes. really good dude, a fun loving dude, and whatnot. But a uh, fellow dad, fellow dad, which we respect, yeah. and. Uh, it just seems like he's having a great time, enjoying and loving being here, and just it's been such a huge, huge piece. I mean, people knew that he was a quality high major player, but I think in contrast or in comparison to what people probably expected Illinois is getting, back to your point, on all three, I think Illinois has probably gotten more out of uh, all three of those guys than you would have anticipated. Can I, can I rattle off these stats? Um, Big Ten play, just conference play, seven games. Marcus Demas, 20.1 points per game, five rebounds, 3.9 assists. Quincy Garrier, Big Ten play, 12.4 points, 8.9 rebounds. Justin Harmon, 10.3 points per game. This is another thing I wanted to bring up. I, I haven't done the research. Justin Harmon's going to be in the running for sixth man of the year in the yeah. Big Ten. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I got to look into who else is, is involved in that, but that's a that's a heck of a player. <laughs> uh, getting 10 points off the bench from, from him. So, those guys are all, I mean, what we thought the ceiling of these guys could be, these guys are all at that or potentially surpassing it. Yep. And Brad mentioned today, one of my favorite lines from him today, it was about about the sixth man and about him being on Justin in recent weeks and how he wants the sixth man to be a, a bad MFer, as he said. <laughs> uh, and that Justin's confidence obviously has grown, that he's, he's comfortable. And, um, it's that Chicago Curry in him, man. Yeah, man. Brad definitely had a bad MFR, and, and Andres Felice is a six man. Justin is not in that category yet, but he is, he's coming on a lot recently. 
Yeah, no, and I just saw that super uh, that chat. So yeah, he says Harmon has to be competing for six man of the year. I got to look into to who else is in that race, but he's going to be one of them, especially being on one of the best teams uh, in the league here. Uh, all right, Derek. So I mean, let's just talk about like you get Terrence Shannon back. This team has a legitimate chance <laughs> uh, to go in the Big Ten. They got a legitimate chance to be more of a, a threat to to make a long run. Like um, I just saw it tonight. Like you add that guy to to this team again, and kudos to the rest of the team that Terrence didn't have to come back and save them that they went three and two in the big 10 to keep Illinois in this race uh and now they're keeping pace and I, I think today was a part of that you gotta beat Rutgers at home but now you're starting to separate from the rest of the pack Wisconsin six and one Purdue is six and two Illinois five and two Northwestern four and three everybody else is 500 or below I think there's gonna be a lot of eight to 12 win teams in the big 10 you got to stay in that race to potentially get 15. And this team now, I think, has a chance to do that. I agree with that for sure. And it's going to be important to go on the road and beat Northwestern. A toss-up yeah. game, a tough game for sure. But if you want to be winning a league title, then that's one that you should be able to get because you still have, obviously, at Wisconsin, uh, Purdue on your home floor. And uh, I do think this upcoming Northwestern game is one of the toughest remaining on your schedule but if you could get that one, then obviously you return home and play Indiana uh, early in February. I, I, I think you and, – Hey, Northwestern, quad one win. Not a lot of those left uh, yeah, on the true. schedule. So, true. I mean, we, we start talking about NCAA tournament resume. You want to get that three or three seed. Like that's, that's what I'd be aiming for right now is to be in that conversation for two or a three seed, right? Mm -hmm. and, and if you can – you need some wins. You, you need a, a win over a Northwestern or a Wisconsin or a Purdue and – there's not a ton of them left. So it's a big opportunity. And, and of course, it's the first road game for Terrence, half road game, I would say. But that, that student section, I would imagine, for oh, Northwestern yeah. is going to be pretty prepared for Terrence Shannon. I would think so. And they've that's been a good environment for them. Like the Purdue game, yeah. obviously, and, and they've turned it into – They're great a, at home. Yeah, they, they've been really good at home. Illinois obviously always shows out with support. Um, so expect there to be – it's normal dose of orange there. But uh, it will be a – a tough environment, one that surely will have some things to say about Illinois and, and Terrence, as I think every student section that they run into will. But uh, as far as the quality of win, yeah, they could use some more quad ones. No I, doubt. I, I got to correct myself. Right now, it would not be a quad one. It was just surprising to me. They're oh, 70, wow. 77th right now in the net. I think they did just lose year, that in Nebraska. I think at the end of the year, it has a chance, though. Like it, yeah. It's one of the few that has a chance to be a quad one win. So just want to correct myself, but still okay. would be a significant win for Illinois. All right, that's interesting. So, yeah, that's one of those. You win, and then you – I know people don't like being like, oh, well, now you got to root for Northwestern. But that would be one that it would be great to have that be a win and one that is in the quad one category. There's no doubt that, like, Michigan State on the road early in February will be a quad one. Ohio State, is that a quad one at the end of this month? Let me check. Sorry to put you on the spot there. No, you're good. Um, Ohio State would be. They're, they're okay. a top – they're 46th right now, so that'll definitely okay. be top 75. Yep. So that'd be a good one to get. And it's not too early to think about that that tournament resume. Of course, if you're in that top three mix in the Big Ten and it is a tight battle as it's shaping up to be between Purdue, Wisconsin, and, and Illinois, that all three should be just fine with the way that seeding shakes out in the NCAA tournament. But it'd be great to get four seed at least and then aim a little bit higher now because you have one of the best players in the country and then – what you have around them is come together really nicely too. 
Yeah. So the remaining quad one opportunities are home against Purdue in March at Wisconsin. That That's going to determine the league uh, is, yep. is that last week where everybody plays each other at Michigan State, at Ohio State, at Iowa is, is a mm. quad one win. Uh, Northwestern is the next closest um, to potentially being a quad one game. So still uh, a really important one. And man, three and oh at home for them again. And they've beaten Michigan State and Purdue there. Right. So uh, they, they've beaten some really good teams at home. And Boo Boo, he's a dude. He, he's really good. And he's he's had some big games against Illinois. So uh, I'm excited to see that one. It'd be a lot of fun. Big test. Yeah. Bowie is one of the top guards out there. And Illinois did a, a pretty good job, especially the fact that he didn't have any assists in that last game. That Illinois just played him in in this building. But uh, it seems like he turns it up another notch at home in particular. Uh, I think I just like the team. I think they're a pretty good team with Ty Berry shooting it the way he is. And I know Illinois does a good job of especially now having the the two-headed monster of, of Ty and, and Terrence back in terms of attacking guards uh, defensively. Uh, but Barnheiser's a good player. I, I, I've been impressed with him, the way he's been playing. Uh, Nicholson's a guy that, you know, good defender, although he provides a, a real test. And I I think that Collins, Chris Collins, probably would have liked to see what Matt Painter – and Tom Izzo did in terms of guarding Ty Rogers uh, before mm-hmm. having Mac- Matthew Nicholson run out to Coleman Hawkins. So uh, yeah. I, th- I might expect a different game plan. Not that Ty, to his credit, has uh, played pretty well here of late and has been able to attack teams that have had non-Zach Eady bigs on him. So, But uh, now you can play Ty Rogers 12 minutes. Yeah, right. Right, and play right. Justin Harmon and play Terrence Shannon. So If you want to, yeah, you definitely can. Yeah. So that, that gives you more options, more depth. And, it, but it's going to be a fun battle. It's going to be a really good game, and I'm sure the uh, Wildcat faithful will be up for that one. Yeah. All right. Let's get to a few questions, and we'll talk a little recruiting. Uh, Steve, as a fan from two years before Lou Henson, this is one of the four best teams I've seen at Illinois. I think they go to the NCAA tournament with only five or six losses, if that. Obviously, the 2021 team was great. I mean, one of the best regular season teams we've seen. Uh, at Illinois, um, did not do what they had to do in the tournament. I think Brad Underwood feels as confident in this team as any he's had. Uh, and certainly it's been a while since Illinois had that team capable of that, but it seems capable of that, Derek. Uh, now we just got to see it continue, and, and consistency is the hardest thing in the Big Ten. Traveling and getting some some road wins at tougher teams like a Northwestern uh, is going to be really important for them to, to live up for that and give them the best path once the NCAA tournament comes around. Like, I just think getting a two or a three seed would be such a, a mm. big lift rather than being a four or a five. Um, I don't, I'd rather be a six than a four or five, to be honest with you. Right. Cause you, you know, you play a team that's number one, that's, that's a very common upset type of matchup. The five versus 12 is, is always a big one. And then you're playing a, a very like team. If both of those higher ranked seeds win uh, and then you get the one in, in the, in the sweet 16. So uh, the bottom portion of the bracket is usually more favorable, especially if you're the you're the two or the three, like you were saying. And a lot of you know, there's plenty of talk uh, for good reason for a long time about that extended run in March, and a big part of it is setting up the best possible path, which Illinois uh, unfortunately squandered in, in 21. But uh, if they're able to do it this year with having a, a really strong finish of the year, being one of the top teams in the Big Ten, if not getting a share or winning the Big Ten title, uh, that would that would give you what you need to then be equipped to go on that run. So, uh, yeah, I, I still give – there's still time to watch this season play out and whatnot. 
I love the fact that this is an old team. I love the fact that they have the synergy about them. They pass so well. They, they, they've got an ability to have a number of different guys hurt you. They've got Terrence, who's incredible. Um, I still give the the nod to the 2020-21 team, uh, personal opinion, although I'd pay good money to watch Ayo DeSumo and Terrence Shannon battle it out for 40 minutes. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's an interesting conversation and maybe one that becomes even more interesting as the season goes along, but uh, that team was – was really really good what i love about this team is the balance the, of offense and defense kind of like the 2021 team it's one of the best offenses in the country even if it's not the, the highest tempo offense and, and adding terrence shan to get those fast break points get those free throws makes them even more efficient and then defensively which it kind of slipped that I think Terrence Shannon getting back, locking in defensively. Brad said it's the one area I thought he could have been better at today. Um, I think that makes them so much better defensively. But they can win an ugly game. They can win a high-paced game. Uh, and then just having that, that the, a bunch of old dudes, the depth of old dudes that they have and scoring options that they have. Um, and, and now with seven players, I think they feel really comfortable playing out there for 20-plus minutes a game. That's That's what gives you confidence. That's what gives you a little bit of – um, I don't know. There's a reliability about this team that uh, you didn't know out of 2021 just because they hadn't been tested at that level in the tournaments one game. Um, but obviously last year there wasn't a reliability with that team. And I, I think this team has that. Right. Yeah. It's, it's less to put on one player's shoulders. They have a lot more ability to pick up when someone might have an off night or just share the scoring load. And, and that makes you harder to defend. You can't just, load up on on one particular guy and uh, that ability to to truly play unselfish read the defense read who has the best matchup basketball is is fun to watch and, and it's just it's very effective so uh, having the, the the knowledge that any of these guys you know Quincy can go for 15 plus to 20 Coleman Terrence Justin like Marcus it's and then Luke can get going from three too so mm-hmm. I think that's all something that makes this team hard to guard. Uh, they have size, obviously, which plays into the rebounding part and defensively. So, um, yeah, that balance is, is something that's very, very nice to have. And, uh, you know, they had five guys in double figures tonight. They had five guys, same with Michigan. They had five guys in double figures against Michigan State. It's been a lot of uh, a lot of good balance, and, and Brad's got to love that, I think, right now. Yeah. Brian, we're today the first tip-off we've won. In a long time, in a long time, for probably sure. Probably I mean, since the low, the low majors, right? Quincy wasn't even jumping on a few of those. Uh, yeah, it's the first Just one they've won in a while. It. Yeah, uh, another first that I, I, I that rip drive by Marcus Damask. The first step burst from Marcus Damask. Not something we'd seen. And then he elevates to try and dunk, and uh, he has not dunked yet this year. So like I, that that move, I was just like floored. I was like. Is that Quincy Garrier over there? Yeah. Um, so I'd like to see that one more time. Like Domas just attacking the rim, and that would have been a no doubt dunk. He was like head at the rim on that one. Right. No. Yeah. It, maybe where that come from? Should have asked. Oh, he wasn't there available after the game. He changed shoes. Um, I don't know. He, yeah. He had something going for him today. Can we address some of these? Some people are saying that twenty one would get run off the floor by this team. That is. Oh. That is recency bias. I, I, to the yes, as one Come game on. bias. Do we? That team won fifteen of sixteen games and beat some. Didn't some they? Really beat good teams. Four top ten teams in like a week. Yeah, <laughs> it was something ridiculous. Come on. Come on, guys. 
Like, do I, I, all right. I know what you think of Andre Curbelo now. I know what you think of that team. It's stained by that loss. That Curbelo version was really good, though. Iowa's the second best player in the country with a generational <laughs> other Big Ten player, Luca Garza there. Kofi was a monster. DeMonte and Jacob Granson were great role players. Trent Frazier was one of the best defenders in the Big Ten and could get hot and streaky from three. Like, come on. That, it would have been a it would have been a really fun battle. They'd have a hard time matching up with Quincy, though. I will th- I'll give him that. Yes, uh, keeping him off the glass, that size of the four spot. If Marcus got uh, a booty ball matchup on like a Trent Frazier, um, that God, had- Shannon Shannon Garden, Iowa, though that'd be that'd be fun to watch. It'd be tremendous. Iowa would get some wins there, man. Like <laughs> Iowa would get some wins. I was making millions, yeah. tens of millions of dollars in the NBA, guys. Like he's pretty yeah. good. <laughs> and Coleman better make some three because uh Kofi is gonna be cook him. Probably cook him planting him underneath the basket. So um he great was, he was getting, I, I'd be I'd be here for it. Coleman was getting that in practice. But us, even you and I saying like obviously the 2021 team is the best we've covered. Like us saying that'd be a battle says what we think this team could do, right? Um, right, and I, think, I, well, also- I don't think this team's going to win 15 of 16, right? In the in the Big Ten, uh, even in at that Big Ten was way better in 21 yes, than it is right now. That's another thing. Um, but th- this team is is capable of going farther in the tournament if if everything goes right there. But right. I thought that team was capable of winning the whole damn thing, and they were. <laughs> they were they, just because they didn't do it doesn't mean they weren't capable. Obviously, right? And uh, and I think also another thing. And I'm not trying to tear down this team. This team, the analytics love them. They're ninth in Ken Palm. Uh, they're obviously they're top ten in the country offense efficiency, top thirty defense. But they, we still are waiting to see them beat a top notch team too, right? Their best win is FAU. FAU, by the way, on the ropes right now with UTSA. Um, please don't lose that because they might fall out of the top twenty five. Uh, so they could use some more wins that inspire more confidence with their resume. Now they've slammed some teams, slam Missouri, slam Northwestern, slam Rutgers, uh, won a, a nice dog fight with Michigan state, but this team has more to prove, even though I think that they're legit. I think they could go very, very far. I think they go to the final four. I, I truly believe that. Um, I just think that I, I think the, the resume idea- of that, Oh, uh, that 21 team yeah. was so good. Like that, like the teams they beat. You're right. This team has not beaten one of those great teams yet. Now right. they don't have, and they've had some opportunities. They didn't beat Tennessee. It was a good game. They showed they can compete with them. Uh, they didn't beat Marquette. It was a good game. They, they showed they can compete with them. Beat Fort Atlantic, who I still think can be a good team. But boy, they have struggled a little bit more than we thought they would uh, in the yeah. American Conference, right? So, um, yeah, I, I, I'd like Let's- to see them beat. Uh, Wisconsin on the road or, or beat Purdue here at home. I just think the Kool Aid's flowing strong on a Sunday, which cheers hey. to you guys. Hey, enjoy yeah. it, you know. It's, but it's uh, a really good team. I, let's we're, let's we're, evaluate it in March. Um, I just think running them off the floor is crazy. I agree with that. All right. Uh, some big recruits here. Rez Johnson here again. He shows up almost every game now, if it seems like. Uh, but Gabe Solarski was here, Phoenix Gill was here. Uh, and I know another recruit was here for uh, in what twenty seven class, Derek. But uh, this is one of the bigger visitor games we've seen. Yeah, really good one for sure. Solarski's uh, a really promising young player, six six, great skill uh, for Bennett Academy. Actually, just had a, a battle against Merez last night. Uh, Bennett played 
Thornton, and I know that you're just talking to him about he's like, man, going up against Merez in person, a guy that they're both from the Mean Streets program. Uh, but you know, Merez was able to have one of his typical double doubles and someone that's having a great season. And speaking of which, uh, you know, I think the arrow's still pointed up on his stock, and we'll see what the, the future holds in terms of the McDonald's All-American potential, if, if that's going to be a real thing for him. I think it's real. It's just whether he can get that. But uh, to ha- And, by the way, Merez was here to, today, too. And uh, Solarski, they've done a lot of work early, a guy that they've really pinpointed and say, hey, we want to make sure that we're out ahead of this. We know it's going to be a Big Ten battle. You know, Michigan State's in there, Wisconsin, Indiana, a lot of teams. Uh, but Illinois has done a really good job of making him feel like a priority. Uh, they had Phoenix Gill uh, sit next to – Kendall got on the the video board and Kendall tried to to get the love to be shown to to Phoenix, which I think he still would like to feel a little bit more in terms of recruiting. But I think he understands it a little bit in terms of they're in the middle. Illinois is in the middle of the season. Illinois still evaluating like they like Phoenix Gill. I just don't know that they're quite ready to to push all the way. And it's a guy that's a a 2025 commit. He's got another year of. Didn't play AU. I think he's going to play AU this upcoming season, as far as I understand it. Going to have another year of high school. So uh, they like him. They've they've kept in contact. The sell is pretty um, pretty obvious in terms of you know just the ties that he's had to this program, uh, following in his father's footsteps potentially, and they, that he loves the team. He loves the program. Has a lot of respect for Brad Underwood. We'll see how that plays out. Northwestern has recruited him harder than Illinois has so far. Um, so has Iowa his State. Mom, his mom went to Northwestern, right? And his mom went to Northwestern. So yeah. uh, we'll see how that goes. But I, I think if he stays patient, uh, that Illinois will obviously continue to be in the mix, and they'll continue to have eyes on him. And, and we'll see how the season finishes out for him. Uh, it seems like – I know he told me today they've won five in a row, that being St. Ignatius, that he's had some highs and lows this year. Uh, but – then again, I mean, it's a, it's a developing player that yeah. is uh, going to only get better. Yeah, I mean, he's still a, a prospect, right? Like, uh, Merez Johnson is a no-doubter, and he's going to rise in the 24-7 sports rankings this week is, is a little tease. Um, but he's one of the 30 best players in the country. He's potentially a McDonald's All-American. Jeremiah Fierce, who we'll get to here in a moment, like that's a top 50 player, top 40 player in the country. Phoenix isn't quite that yet. He hasn't proven he's quite that yet, but he's a really good prospect. And obviously Illinois is really interested in him. They were the first to offer him. But some guys you might need to evaluate a little bit longer um, and, and go through more of the process of their maturity. It's still pretty early in his recruitment, um, but it's not for Jeremiah Fierce because he is announcing on Monday at 2 p.m. Central time. And... Um, yeah, Illinois fans will be wanting to pay attention to that one because it's a huge potential piece for their future and what I think would be a phenomenal fit alongside Jace Butler, Derek. Definitely would be. Do want to give one more uh Anthony Thompson at 26 out of Ohio, six foot seven wing. Uh I caught up with him as well that was in attendance. But yeah, back to Jeremiah. Obviously a lot of spotlight on him with his decision tomorrow. I think it's I put in my crystal ball for Illinois yesterday and it seems like it's going to be one that goes Illinois' way. And there was a lot of questions early in that recruitment after Jeremy Fears Jr. was trending towards Illinois and uh, Illinois ultimately pivots and goes in a different direction. I wondered myself, and I think a lot of people too, just would that then burn the bridge to Jeremiah and and to if his younger brother comes up and is a a big-time prospect as well that Illinois wants. But uh, a lot of the sell that – 
appealed to Jeremy, appealed obviously to the family and to Jeremiah as well, the home state, the ability to, to be showcased. And uh, now the NIL is a factor uh, and, and able to be comp uh, to be able to take an advantage of. You can see Illinois' potential of his marketability for the home state. And uh, he's a really talented offensive player. I mean, six foot three and what he can do off the balance. He's just got a dynamic handle, ability to make shots from anywhere. Does need to become a little more consistent with the outside shot. I think he's very capable of it. I've seen it earlier in his career. He was a little bit more of a of a dead eye uh, type of shooter than maybe now. But there's certainly a lot of attention on him whenever he touches the ball. So I don't worry about that at all. I, I do think another thing, and just in terms of translating to the next level, is adding strength, which I think it's important. I think Illinois thought it was important for him to stick in 25. There was a lot of yes. there was some talk for a while about reclassing to 24 and. Yeah, because he's got that Christian Lander build, so that kind of makes yeah. me nervous. When when guys who are slighter and smaller reclassify early, it just feels like it puts them at a disadvantage. So I, I think that year of development would be huge for him. Yeah, it's important. And to get another year of high school, another year of AAU, and, and just not to rush it, not to rush the the path forward, and to know that you know if, if you're an NBA-level talent, you'll get there, and it doesn't have to be immediate. And, and just, I think, coming to – We'll talk more about it if he does pick Illinois, obviously. But uh, I think Illinois has had good conversations with him. He's visited three times since the summer. I took an official visit back in October. Illinois went out and saw him a number of times here from the fall and on. And we're just out in uh, Springfield, Massachusetts for the Hoop Hall Classic to watch him. So uh, they put in their work. Jeff Alexander's done a good job of maintaining and continuing to build that relationship. Uh, Brad Underwood's done uh, his his part as well. And I think Illinois sits pretty well uh, with fears as they go into decision day tomorrow. And uh, as a fellow Will County guy, I'm, I'm, I'd be happy to see Illinois get a kid from Joliet. Because uh, I, I grew up, man, his dad was balling out yeah. in Joliet. So uh, it'd be good to get somebody from that neck of the woods. Thank you to the 500 plus that have watched us live on YouTube. Hit the like button on your way out. We really appreciate you guys. Subscribe to us. Hit the notifications bell if you're listening on the podcast. Follow us wherever you get your podcasts. Rate us, review us. We appreciate that. Any final thoughts, Derek, before we get out of here? You need to go get some sleep. <laughs> I do. That's Is it thought. 10 o'clock at night? <laughs> it's not. It's 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Dozed off a little bit in the airport and on the airplane. But oh, it's glad I got here, Derek, because it was uh, it was a memorable memorable atmosphere. Uh, th it this was. crowd showed its support for Terrence Shannon, whether people on the outside like it or not. I understand it. Um, I, I think – you know, it's good. It's going to be interesting to see how this all develops moving forward. But on the basketball court, man, you, you saw Terrence Shannon's impact, even if it was more flashes uh, than consistency. But this team's a heck of a lot better if uh, they get back to what they were heading into to Christmas, because what we saw at Missouri was ridiculous. And again, kudos to this team for for holding down the fort until he came back, not knowing if he would come back. But you could tell his teammates were excited he was back on the court and Terrence obviously was pretty emotive about being back on the court. Absolutely. And, yeah, one line that sticks from, with me is an, an orange crusher behind me who just said, we're so freaking back. <laughs> and I know that's one of the, the popular gifts out there, but that's just the way that they they feel. And, you know, the ceiling got raised back up, if not even more. I would argue that maybe the, the guys, the supporting cast who had to piece it together while he was gone, maybe even the way they've played without him, elevated that even more yeah. than it was pre 
Terrence going out. It's the silver lining. I kind of hate using that, but yeah, there is a basketball silver lining of some of, you know, Shannon being out for a little bit is that some of these guys got better. Some of these guys got a little bit more confident. Uh, and, and Illinois found a way to win that now Terrence has to kind of uh, adjust to uh, moving forward. But I get why people are so excited because you can – these people dreaming of elite eight is uh, the floor. I've, I saw that comment here. Like final four is, is possible. Yeah. It's way yeah. more possible with, with Terrence Shannon on this team. And we saw that tonight. All right. Thank you to everybody for listening to the Illini Choir podcast. Everybody have a great day. Take care of each other. We'll talk to you next time on the Illini Choir podcast.